Namaste and welcome to Divine Talk Radio. Heal, empower, and awaken with your hosts from the Divine Lineage Healing Center in Laytonville, California. On behalf of Divine Lineage, this is Cindy Lindsay Rael, and you're listening to Soul Talk. And we want to talk today about five keys to happiness. Because connecting into the happiness in our own beings and in our world is such an important thing, especially in times of stress, especially when there's disrest around us, when there's difficulties in our lives. If we can access that state of happiness in us, then we can meet everything that comes to us in a different way. Ramana Maharshi said, happiness is the very nature of the self. Happiness and the self are not different. Well, if it's the very nature of ourselves, why is it so many of us are just not happy? Even the World Health Organization estimates that 300 million people worldwide have clinical depression. More than that are experiencing the occasional sadness, a loneliness, a grief, or caught in their negative thoughts. And in a 2016 Harris poll of North Americans, only 33% said they were happy. So if happiness is the very nature of self, why is it we're not happy? And what can we do to get to that happiness that is our true nature. That's what we want to talk about today. But I hope you'll indulge me first to take a little bit of a detour to talk about depression as a form of unhappiness. It's not everything we're talking about today, but it is important, I think, as a former psychologist, that we just put a mention to depression. Depression is a prolonged and profound state of sadness, which gets in the way of your daily life and makes it harder to do things that you love, and so has a self-reinforcing cycle there. It's characterized by sadness, emptiness, anxious feelings that continue over a prolonged time and that don't seem to go away. You may feel helpless, worthless, guilty, bad about yourself, focus on the things in life that were losses and failures. You may feel hopeless, pessimistic, and believe that nothing good is ever going to happen or that you may never get out of this situation or that the only way out is suicide. You may be getting irritable or restless. You may have sleep and eating disruptions and disorders. Certainly, that's characterized by negative thoughts and often suicidal thoughts. And there's a lack of energy there where you experience just a loss of interest in life and activities. I just want to say that if you're experiencing these symptoms and they are prolonged, please, 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 in addition to doing what we we are talk about today, please seek the professional help. You know, 80% of U.S. people who have depression never seek any help for it. So please, be one of those who does seek professional help. But I also suggest getting medical testing for neurotransmitters and hormones. You know, the biology of emotion is very well researched, and the notion that neurotransmitters in particular affect depression is also very well researched, and that's the basis of antidepressant medications. 
And when we supplement and balance the body's chemicals, it can really help us to come out of the depths of our depression and be more capable of applying the kind of practices we're going to talk about today. And to address that biochemical imbalance of depression, you know, like I mentioned, most psychologists and psychiatrists will suggest antidepressants. But I also want you to know that there are natural alternatives, and these include supplements for supporting neurotransmitters and hormones, exercise, sunlight, and healthy eating. You know, I have many clients who've used the more natural approaches, especially supplementation, and find that within a few months, they pop up enough out of the depths of where they are to do the rest of the kind of things that we're talking about here today. But to be properly diagnosed and dosed, you should be medically tested first. Again, seek a reputable practitioner, a naturopath, an herbalist for your natural solutions. Just don't go around dosing yourselves. And I just want to throw in that many psychologists and psychiatrists may say that testing is not needed, or they will argue with you that it's not fully accurate. But I'm just going to give you three good reasons to do it anyway. You can obviously tell I'm pushing this today, but it's helped so many of my clients. Okay, first, there are so many antidepressants and supplements out there used for depression of all different kinds that no single practitioner can be expected to stay up on it all. So testing will allow any practitioner you are addressing to tailor what you take to what you really need. Second, you know what? So many people actually get a feeling of relief from seeing that part of what they're feeling is that their body is out of balance. It's not just all in their heads. It's not their fault, and they're not a bad person. Their body got out of balance, and they can do something to take care of that. And third, our mind-body experience does have a body in it. We need to pay attention to that. And though many of our approaches will work with mind to influence body, Body also influences mind. Putting the body in balance is a way to influence mind and emotions. Putting the five elements of you in balance is a way to influence mind and emotions. But I also believe that our soul influences both the mind and the body. And those will be the approaches that we focus on today. However, I I just want to give you a little story about uh, the topic of depression here for a moment and, and that it's very important to not only support the body in this regard, but also to look at the underlying issues that created a depression in you. And when you combine the body support and the healing work with the underlying issues and add these spiritual practices, you, you can come out of depression. I've worked with a lot of clients who have depression. I just want to mention one. She was a beautiful woman who had experienced childhood abuse and since then had had a number of extremely abusive and negative relationships. And when she first came to me, she'd been diagnosed with clinical depression. So we worked on those underlying issues of the abuse and of the relationships and so on. And she sought help as well from a good naturopath for supplementation and found that her body was way out of balance and and really got the right supplementation to support her. We also did womb chakra purification on her and a number of the practices that we're going to be talking about today. So she was really um, 
in a lot of pain when we were first met. And then a number of months into our healing process, she sent me a little note over email to say that for the first time in her life, she woke up happy. She woke up happy. You know what? That's what it's all about. Wake up happy. Live the day happy. Go to sleep happy. That is what we all want, and that is what is possible. So let's take a look at how to get there. Okay, from the spiritual perspective, let's have the understanding of what is this inner self, true self nature happiness. Many spiritual teachers, like Ramana Maharshi, say that happiness lies deep within us. It is the very core of our being. It's an energetic of the divine, of God's nature, and of the God within us and our own soul energy. So the first key to lasting happiness is to look inside of us. Happiness is an internal state of being, a state of God consciousness. And therefore, it's a natural state of our own soul energy. Ramana Maharshi also said, happiness is your nature. It's not wrong to desire it. What's wrong is seeking it outside when it is inside. So we will not find our happiness in anything external to us. Not in things or jobs or finances or people or anything. But why is that the case? Let's let's sort of investigate that for a moment. It's because all these things outside of us are transitory. Jobs, money, people, all come and go in life. If we, if we depend on those for our happiness, then happiness will end sooner or later. But also, in addition to them being transitory, they are all aspects of the illusion. Therefore, their keyed, it's their whole purpose, to bring us our karmas and our lessons. That's the point of these things of the illusion. And although we need our lessons, of course we do, it's just that it's often the case that if we're being faced with our karmas, that that's a moment of struggle, it's a moment of difficulty. So we need our happiness already intact. We need it sitting there, present with us, in these times of struggle. If we're depending on those things and the illusion, and they've gone away, and that's creating our struggle, then we don't have any happiness left to meet those struggles. We need to meet those struggles from the state of our internal happiness. And when we do that, when we meet our karmas that way, we win those lessons. As the Dalai Lama says, The purpose of life is to strive for happiness. You see, happiness is how we win our karmas and advance our souls. So how do we experience this hidden happiness of our soul nature, of our our true self? Well, there are a number of really good suggestions which come from multiple places inside the spiritual realms. But the first is that we have to calm our minds. Let's listen for a moment to what Ramana Maharshi says once again. Happiness is a state of being, 
a state in which our mind's habitual agitation is calmed. The activity of our mind disturbs it from its calm state of just being and causes it to lose sight of its own innermost happiness. Okay, we are an innermost happiness. We are a state of being in which happiness exists, except for that our minds, the habitual agitation of our minds, the activity of our minds, disturbs that and doesn't allow us to see or experience that happiness. Okay, sounds like we have to calm our mind. This means meditation, breath practices, posture practices that all calm mind, and mantra and yantra practices that calm mind. And if you need instructions in deep meditation practices that lead to inner peace, I highly recommend there's a five-day online meditation course on divinelineage.org called Who Am I? That is just miraculous. I was there in person for that course, but you can still take exact same course online. And it takes you through multiple forms of trying to reach that state where our mind agitation, that disruption for the mind is no longer happening and we can experience the true nature of self, which is happiness. For those who want that, that's there. But you know what? Many of us know how to meditate and we just don't do it. So uh, do it. Set a time, side time that you would have spent, hey, watching TV or looking at your phone or computer. Come on, I know you're doing it. There is time in your life. So meditate during those times instead and meditate your way to the inner self happiness. But for those who may not be great meditators as a way of calming the mind, let's get the mind trained onto at least happy and positive things. That's the Dalai Lama's number two point on his speeches, is, or actually is his number one point on the speeches, that we need to train our minds to happiness and the positive. And as the Buddha said, we are shaped by our thoughts. We become what we think. When the mind is pure, Joy follows like a shadow that never leaves. I just love that, like a shadow that never leaves. So how do we do this? Well, obviously, think positive. Uh, whether you're going back in time to the power of positive thinking or, or you're staying in a, the more modern times where we just want to be happy and positive, it seems like every time we talk about happiness, it doesn't matter what discipline, they talk about positive thinking. As for my teacher, Sri Kaleshwar, he always said, be positive, stay positive, enjoy in positive. But for some of us, the negative thoughts are really in the way. And we are trying to calm mind. Even if we can't get to that state of pure release of mind, we're trying to at least get our mind going in the right direction for us. So I have a wonderful mantra to help with erasing negative thoughts. And I mentioned it once before in an earlier episode about meeting our tests in life. So I don't like to give mantras out in this format. So please write to me at cindy at divinelineage.org um, for, so I can give you that mantra and a full explanation of its use and uh, just a, a more full explanation before you start to try and use this beautiful mantra and even a sound file. 
But let me tell a story um, of a client of mine who used this mantra. Maybe it will induce you to say, to say okay, I'm going to try this mantra. Now, she's, she's a wonderful, powerful businesswoman. I, I met her when I was um, doing my psychological work for in as a professor and in working in organizations. And over the past 25 years or whatever it's been uh, since then, she became a top manager and a team facilitator. And she's in a very high pressure, high tech industry, mostly male. And uh, she's really, she's sailing. She's doing a wonderful job. But on a particular long-term project, she and her team were experiencing a very abusive attacking behavior from um, a person who was sort of a distant partner on this on this team and every video conference with this partner was excruciating and her team was becoming demoralized and she was starting to experience flashbacks from her childhood which she had spent in a war-torn country so when she uh, contacted me and we decided to do sessions, in addition to working these childhood issues, we got her started on this mantra. And she loved it. She's never done a mantra in her life. It's not her thing. She's a businesswoman. She sees herself as spiritually conscious, you know, and aware. But, you know, she doesn't believe in any particular religion. But she loved this mantra because it really helped her to get out of negative thoughts and into a positive state. And she just tried it. She decided that she should try it at work. And she took even five to 10 minutes just before her team meetings to inwardly chant. And if she needed, because it, because the meeting was going so poorly, she would just call a break in the meeting and just chant it inwardly for a few minutes before returning. Now, here's the magic. Over the course of a few weeks, not only was she holding that positive feeling inside herself, her team was becoming more positive as well. And most surprisingly, the attacks from the distant partner began to slowly become less and less. By the time they entered this big climax conference meeting with all the players and all the top bosses from everywhere, it was productive, smooth, and a win-win experience. I mean, you can't ask for better than that. You know, happiness and positive thinking are catching. But it does take a little help and some training. So how do we get to that positive thinking? Well, shift your perspective. In addition to taming the negative thoughts, we also need to put our attention and perspective onto the positive. As Mother Teresa said, be happy in the moment. That's enough. Each moment is all we need, not more. So just be happy here and now. Get your attention on the beauty, the positive, the divine, the positive experience in each moment that's there. For Yogananda, happiness is a choice. He said a strong determination to be happy will help you. Do not wait for your situation to change. Thinking that, therein lies the trouble. So it's not about, oh, this is a bad situation. There's nothing happy here to see. It is not. You must make this strong determination that you will find the positive. You will find the happy. You will just reattend to something that is beautiful after a negative situation and get yourself back to happy. Well, it might take us a little help, especially when 
things are not going very well. We still need to have this strong determination, but when things are not going very well, it really makes it difficult. And it may be that in times of stress and negativity that you need to first decharge those negative and stressful energies from you before you're able to switch your mind to something of beauty or goodness or happiness. Now, we've talked a lot about decharge on Soul Talk series, and it's a set of easy-to-do processes to release negative energy and feel back in balance. And they generally use the elements to help us do that. So please listen to the prior Soul Talk episode on decharge for the why, when, and how of decharge uh, if that's what, if you haven't heard of this yet and, and you want to try and practice it. But once you have decharged that energy, then you need to switch your mind, focus your mind to experience the divine, the love, the gratitude, the joy, the beauty. And you need to hold that strongly enough to get the feeling in you in this moment. Let's use Mother Teresa's in this moment notion. You need to feel those things in this moment. Focus those thoughts and keep feeling that in you. Let your body even readjust. There's a whole chemical cascade to anger and frustration and stress. Give yourself enough feeling of that to shift even your body's whole chemical cascade. Enjoying the feeling for a few minutes. And then I love to add something like telling yourself, this is the truth of me. And from here, I can face any illusion. Or it's just all illusion and that'll fade. This feeling now is the truth of me and endures in me. I like applying it back to myself in that way. And then from that place, you can return to the situation, but from a different inner state, having decharged, having reset yourself to the feelings of divine gratitude, love, joy, happiness, beauty. Now it's time to be able to Take it sporty, as my teacher Sri Kaleshra used to say, to be able to enter the situation not from an attached point of view, but to be able to take it sporty. Now, what do we think take it sporty means? Well, first of all, don't take it so seriously. Be more non-attached. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you, you're saying, Cindy... Some things are serious. Excuse me, but they have to be taken seriously. It may be health. It may be a disaster. It may be a, a threatening family issue. But, you know, I hang in here with me. It is still just illusion. And it's come to increase your soul energy and the soul energy of everybody else involved. And when you become non-attached and open-hearted to love, to beauty, to happiness, things do change. Magically and strangely, they change. So not taking it so seriously, i.e. being detached and being able to get into the state of open-heartedness is a key to changing those very disastrous and serious things in the first place. And you can decharge to help you get closer to that non-attachment, so don't forget that. But I also think take it sporty means see the sport in it. You know, the illusion is that it play with you. The illusion is playing you. The Maya is playing you. You can play too. Focus in on how to win that at the soul level. 
What is there to learn here? How can I return to inner peace and love? You know, sometimes I feel that it's our auto deal with the mother, with the Maya, with the illusion. If we can take the suffering and find our way back to non-attachment, open-heartedness, love, and peace within, then she brings the miracle energy around and through us. And I've experienced this many times. But let me tell you about one that sort of hit me lately. I had a person that I truly trusted, and uh, they betrayed that trust. And the whole thing cost me financially and in material ways, and I was really hurt and angry as well. But my being hurt and angry was not helping anybody or solving anything. So eventually I got myself to say, okay, just pay the price. And then I got myself in the process of asking, how do I return to love? I can tell you, the thinking on how to return to love was a way more pleasant endeavor than rehearsing the betrayal in my mind and having all that anger. But still, it wasn't an easy journey. I felt almost like my loving nature had been taken away from me. And the question of how do I return to love really showed me a lot of things about myself I needed to see. Old patterns, old wounds, old ways I had lost this feeling of love in myself before. And in the end, it finally showed me that my true nature is love. And I just need to be it. That's who I need to be. No matter how anybody behaves to me, no matter how much betrayal or anger or negativity they present, I need, I need to be the truth of me. And that's love. And you need to be the truth of you too. Because that's what life is all about. Like Dalai Lama said, it's the purpose of life to find happiness. It's the purpose of life to be your true self, that happiness, that love that is your gift to the world. Now, to help me do that, I began each day with a gratitude practice in the morning, and I just spent some time, actually was on my my trek climber walker thing, um, remembering the things that I have in my life that I'm really grateful for. And I do have those things. And I just let myself feel those. And, and then I would realize, you know what, whatever got taken from me here in this situation, there's really no insufficiency in my life. And nobody can take away from me the truth of my blessed life and the truth of the love that is me. And then I would smile. The Saint Mirabai from the 15th century said, A cure for sadness, let our hands touch something that makes your eyes smile. It is a cure. And, parenthetically, it also provides a chemical support to that body issue as well. And I've said this before on Soul Talk, that if you even just force a smile on your face, and that has to be one that gets the eye crinkles, that kind of smile, makes your eyes smile, as Mirabai said. And if you hold that for 10 to 15 seconds, it will start a chemical change in you to feel happier. Repeat it a few times, and you will definitely feel it. So you don't even have to be happy for a smile to bring happiness. All right, so that's our our second one. Calm the mind, train the mind. Our third key to happiness is cultivate love. Just be love. Now, one of the easiest ways for that, for spiritual people, is something called bhakti. 
Bhakti is devotional love for the divine. It is a practice of love, but towards the divine. And it's sometimes easier to love the divine than to love other human beings. And so we can start there. Really feeling that devotion, really feeling that love begins the opening of our hearts. Get a picture of the of the form of God that you're most connected to, that you love. Get a picture you really like. Just stare in the eyes. Just be open-hearted there. Or you may have other rituals from your religious perspective that work for you to connect directly with just an open, loving heart and receive the love of God back to you. Once we're feeling that in our lives, then we can move to humankind by trying to see that same God energy in each person that we meet, having that love that we learned with the divine and seeing that in all things and in all people. And a great audio blog on this and other ways to grow your compassion in the world is at divinelineage.org under blogs, and it's what is a good-hearted person. So I, I highly recommend listening to that. But once we feel some love, we also need to bring that to our relationships. And we've talked about this on Soul Talk before, so please listen back to those episodes as well, because they give some really concrete ways to just stay loving, express and exchange love in relationships. You know, relationships are where we really get tested on our loving hearts. We may be able to deeply be open-hearted and loving with God, but can we do that each day with the people around us when they're acting out or irritating us or not showing up or whatever they might be doing in the moment? That is where we really learn what it takes to stay loving and meet each issue and each interaction from a loving feeling and mindset. And you know what, we can start that by just seeing how we might do things differently if we were entering all our interactions with an open heart and a feeling of inner love. Like imagine for a moment, what would it, how would it go if you were having a loving interaction with the person telling you your bill is overdue? Or having a beautiful, smiling, loving interaction with the person delivering your mail rather than just not noticing at all? Or... And this one I really love. Perhaps we can start with animals. If people are too hard for us, we could start with animals. Remember what Charles Schultz says, happiness is a warm puppy? Well, you know what? It seems it might be true. Research has shown that petting a cat or a dog can release a good feeling hormone in both the animal and in the human. And it can reduce stress and stress-related illnesses and reduces the need for pain medications as well, which is why they use um, uh, therapy animals nowadays. But, you know, why, why stop at cats and dogs? Why not horses, rabbits, your pet pig? I don't care. The animal-human bond can be such a pure form of unconditional love. And who doesn't need that, animal or human? But with respect to human touch, there's something called healing touch. And healing touch professionals have studied the effectiveness of compassionate, non-sexual touch in health and happiness. And healing touch is a medical term for an energy therapy in which practitioners consciously use their hands in a heart-centered and intentional way to support and facilitate physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. And the research on that shows that getting touched or doing some touching makes you healthier, happier, and less anxious. Healing touch 
experiments have shown medically to restore the balance of energy and improve immune immune response and improve feelings of well-being and happiness. So it might be good to get a massage from somebody who is really a healing touch professional. That could help you move back into that state too. But also when we're in happy relationships, the studies have shown that just holding hands or hugging um, reduces stress-related brain activity. So maybe we just need to be in contact with our animals and our loving human beings. But we're not talking sexual touch here today and because that's a much deeper subject. It's, uh, you know, such intimate exchange has many other ramifications to it. So today we're just talking about that human touch, which is non-sexual, low comma energy, but with open-heartedness. Okay. Once we've got our minds calmed and we're practicing love, what else do we need to do? Well, our fourth practice today is compassion and altruism. This is another point of the Dalai Lama when he gives his speeches on, uh, on happiness, but it's also a point of many spiritual teachers. Overall, happiness is reached by keeping peace with others and oneself, which can be reached through meditation, compassionate thoughts and actions, and community service. And this, this gives our life meaning which leads to an overall happiness of life. Compassion, compassionate human affection brings happiness, and as the Dalai Lama put it, love for others and respect for their rights and dignity, no matter who or what they are, ultimately these are all we need. So long as we practice these in daily life, that no matter if we are learned or unlearned, whether we believe in Buddha or God, or follow some other religion or none at all, as long as we have compassion for others and conduct ourselves with restraint out of a sense of responsibility, there is no doubt we will be happy. Love, respect, believing that, acting in that way, the Dalai Lama says it's all we need. In addition, compassion and affection actually help our brain to function more smoothly. Compassion gives us inner strength. It gives us self-confidence and reduces fear, which in turn keeps our mind calm. Do a compassionate act. Choose the compassionate explanation for what's happening in the moment. Can cho choose the compassionate understanding of the situations you meet. And with you, once you have that compassion, why don't you go do some altruistic service for others? As Yogananda put it, happiness lies in making others happy and forsaking self-interest to bring joy to others. We, I think most of us know that when we help others, we get out of our own problems and our thoughts and that open-hearted service to God, other human beings and animals, the earth, wherever you're doing, doing it, is also good for the world and good for our own souls. And when we do it with that no thought of, retur of return or obligation, our hearts open. You know, that is that Yogananda no self-interest. And this creates a cycle of love that keeps going. When we open our hearts and share with others, we start to feel their hearts open. 
their surprise, their gratitude, their joy, those continue the cycle of love. And then we feel better and they feel better. And these acts, they don't have to be big. They can be. You can, you can dedicate yourself to always serving the hungry or always dealing with the people in the nursing home. But these can also be small acts of kindness and joy in everyday life. And you know what? That gets us back to smiling. Because a lovely act of joy and compassion in everyday life is smiling. As Mother Teresa said, every time you smile at someone, it's an action of love, a gift to that person, a beautiful thing. She also said, we shall never know all the good that a simple smile can do. So smile. And that can be your service of love and compassion. Now, our fifth and final way to get to happiness is to find your soul fragrance and to live it. One great point about being happy is that we're already uncovering our soul nature, our true nature of self, and that energy in us. From there, we can start to get a sniff of that soul fragrance. Our soul fragrance is an, an, an essence of us. It's our soul nature across many lifetimes. And when we begin to know it, we know the truth of our soul and our, of our connection to all that is. Now, meditation, obviously, is one of the best ways to experience yourself without mind covering the truth of your soul. And again, I highly recommend that five-day online meditation course from divinelineage.org. Who am I? And in an earlier Soul Talk episode, we also talked about finding your soul purpose. So I'm not going to repeat those uh, signs and approaches here. But today, I just want us to take a few minutes together to engage in a very small meditation exercise that maybe we'll be able to get a sniff of our soul fragrance together here today. So I want you to, I don't know where you are, if you're driving your car, okay, listen to this part later, but I, I'm wanting you to lie down and really relax. Oh my goodness, and as I'm saying this, there's this little fox that has come outside and is walking outside my window, displaying himself. Um, he's very rare in this area, and I've only seen him a couple of times in high divine moments, so I think we have the Divine Mother with us in this moment around doing this meditation. So, okay, find a place to lie down and put your hand on your heart chakra and just hold it there for the, in, for the time that we do this little meditation. And please begin to just take long, slow, deep in-breaths and out-breaths. Really just breathing relaxing, letting everything drop down as you breathe in and out. You may even want to center your consciousness on the breath itself, in and out, or imagine yourself breathing in and out of that heart chakra. Now that you're a little relaxed, I'm going to ask you to put your mind on a time in your life that you felt one of these divine states of consciousness, unconditional love, 
compassion that was compassion without sadness or gratitude. Anytime, anything, doesn't have to be huge. Just when you felt that feeling of any one of these, unconditional love, compassion that wasn't a sadness, or gratitude. Continue deep breathing as you look for one of those experiences. And once you have it, remember it. Keep running it through your mind like a movie. Remember it so strongly and so clearly that you can feel those feelings in your body now. You might be switching back and forth between examples, not a problem. Just get them to help you feel the feeling in your body. Now remember that time so clearly, so completely clearly, that it's as if it's happening in this moment from the reactions and feelings of your body. And once you're enjoying that, just tell yourself, this is the truth of me. This is the truth of me. And this is a clue to my soul fragrance. Keep breathing deeply. And let what images or thoughts come. If you move off of your feeling, go back to your memory. Re-ingrain that feeling and feel it. And stay in this meditation as long as you like. When you're done, you can open your eyes and breathe normally and take your hand off your heart chakra. But in closing today, let's say, don't ever take your mind off your heart. True feelings of unconditional love, compassion, of happiness and joy and beauty in all that is. You can come out of sadness. You can come out even of depression. Because your very nature your soul's fragrance, the nature of self is happiness. This is Cindy Lindsay Rael for Divine Lineage. Please visit us on the web at www.divinelineage.org. You have been listening to Divine Talk Radio. Heal, empower, and awaken. With your hosts from the Divine Lineage Healing Center in Laytonville, California. Namaste. Namaste.